0: was given to me for prayer for Jeremy Alseed, who just got out of the hospital. Uh, he suffered a stroke this past Tuesday morning, and they're asking that you remember him in your prayers and pray for God's grace and healing, and we will be happy to do that and remember him. Oh. Uh, The next time your preacher's gone or something and you need a fill-in preacher, you don't need to call me. You just need to get this guy, Mike. He can do a good job. I appreciate the things that he said today about the Lord's Supper. Very good. Uh, We've got a little unfinished business from last week. Y'all thought I forgot that, didn't you? Some things I don't forget. I'm pretty bad about forgetting at my age, but some things I don't. I asked y'all to read the book of Daniel. Now remember, we're sitting here in a church house, so I'm going to ask you a question. Let's, let's, no cheating here in the church house now. How many of you read the whole book of Daniel? Pretty good. That's good. First five, cha- six chapters that was good, fun, easy, wasn't it? Amen. And then you got to them in the last six, whoo, hard, wasn't it? Amen. But wasn't it a good read after all? Amen. Let me tell you, I want to encourage every one of you. To be daily Bible readers. Even if it's just a chapter or a few verses, sit down and just just you and the Lord read the book, the book. You won't regret that. Teach your children when they're young, have Bible reading with them in their homes. I've got some of my Grandchildren, their parents are doing such a good job of teaching them, and they send send pictures of them uh, on my phone to me all the time, and they're standing up quoting a chapter that they've memorized. I'm talking about little fellers. Or half a dozen verses. That's so good. Don't neglect that. You'll never regret the time you put in with your children in the Bible. Never. All right, let's see. Glad to be back again. Charles is kind of special to me. I've been a Christian for 83 plus years. Actually, nearly 84. Maybe I better change that a little bit. Three years, I was... Uh, a wayfaring Christian. I was a prodigal son, but the other times I've been a Christian. And during that time, I've only been members of two congregations. De Quincey, my hometown congregation, been a member of it a long time, and a member of Lake Charles congregation about for about three years, many, many years ago, back when we was meeting over there on Second Avenue, Sixth Avenue, somewhere over there by Broad Street, long time ago. So that's the only two congregations I've been a member of. So naturally I got a a strong tie to this congregation here. Good members, right after Pat and I first got married, we moved down here and enjoyed being with this congregation for about three years. So I'm always happy to come back here and be with you. The elders asked me to bring a lesson today. I'm on the duties of elders because y'all are in the process of appointing two more men to that office. And I'm certainly happy to do that. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I've had the privilege of serving the De Quincey congregation in past years uh, as a deacon and an elder. In fact, I was an elder for some 37 years. And uh, so I can speak with a little bit of experience because of it. I understand uh, that in the near future, Chris Franks and Chris Guerrero. Did I say that last name right, Chris? Okay, Guerrero, okay, good. <laughs> uh, we'll be appointed as elders here. They're under consideration at this present time. And the congregation has a period in which they can make comments one way or the other about it. Of course, it's a great honor to be a leader in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they were going to appoint, they was going to, De Quincey was going to appoint some new deacons and they picked me and J.D. Franks out. Made a little talk about us, you know. And back then they put our names up on the blackboard. Ray J.D. Franks. That was Sunday. Now I've told this story before. That's all right, old men. That's what they do. They tell things over and over and over. And you can go to sleep. You hear it. I'm going to make it brief. They put her name up on Sunday morning to be a deacons after church. J.D. come to me. We was pretty good friends. He's related to some of you, Frank's down here. He said, Ray, I heard the chickapin are biting down there in that Federal Game Reserve. Let's go around and catch us a big icebox full next week. I said, I'd like to. And so we hustled around and finally got together. And we started to leave that morning pretty early. He said, I didn't have time to get a driver, I mean a fishing license but I heard that in the Federal Game Reserve, you don't have to have a a fishing license. I said, nah, there ain't nobody gonna check us anyway. <laughs> so we went down there, sure us we were just catching on an icebox full of big old Brick Brim, having a lot of fun. He says, how many we got? I said, I don't know, but I said, don't worry about it because they told me that in this Federal Game Reserve, somebody had really told me that there was not a limit on Braille, catch you all you want, we just feel the icebox full. On the way out, of course, we were met by federal game wardens. Now, this isn't state, this is federal game wardens. Well, boys, let's check you fellas. Well, good, we's happy. He said, you have a, driver, a fishing license? I did. J.D. did well, I got to write you up, got that little pad out. How many fish you got? Oh, we got a box full. One word, because I heard there was no limit. He said, well, we got to count them. I said, wait to count them? Somebody told me there was no limit. Oh, yes, there's a limit of 50 per person. He dumped the ice box full out, counted, and got a 151. Now, he said, to save me writing up two or three tickets, I'm just going to give J.D. one for no license, and you, I'll let you take all the fish that's over. I said, okay, what else am I going to say? Now, we come back to De Quincy. Oh, my aching back. My name's on the board up there, and J.D. Frank's to be a deacon, new deacons in the church and now we got to go to federal court. (laughs) I'll never in this world forget that day. True, I'm not stretching this, folks. This old judge was up there on the bench and he had several other people ahead of us and he'd call them up and it seems like he was very lenient and kind and loving and gentle. And old J.D. says, we gonna get by this, slick of a button. And he got up there, J.D. Franks first, he was called ahead of me. He got up there and he said, well, I see you're fishing without a fishing license. What have you got to say for yourself? That J.D. put on the best show you ever heard. I was nearly in tears <laughs> of sitting over there on the bench, listening to him. That story he told the judge and that judge, you could tell he was listening intently, sympathetic, I felt good about everything. And when J.D. got through, he says, my, my, that was a wonderful speech. Guilty, $50. Now $50 then was big as $1,000 now. That was a long time ago. So I got up there and he says, I'll never forget this. He said, Well, Mr. Fishhog, what have you got to say? That's what he said the first thing. I said, Not one thing, Your Honor. He said, That's the best speech I've heard. Guilty, $50. Now, $50 was, like I told you, a terrible lot. But that wasn't the thing that hurt. Had to go back to De Quincey. Everybody there in that little town knew all about that from the <laughs> beginning to the end. And my name's on the board and JD's to be the new, some new deacons. Thank the good Lord we're not bothered with, that, with these new deacons here that we're introducing here today. <laughs> Anyway, we finally eventually got ourselves straight with the church and they did ordain us and we made it. Never made that mistake again, believe you me. Okay. Let me tell you a thing that you should be very thankful for here at Lech Charles. As long as I can remember, they have had good, competent, leadership, and that is so important for a congregation. I go around and do quite a bit of preaching, but it's mostly for small, struggling congregations. And I'll tell you, you can tell the difference between a congregation that has good leadership, elders and deacons, and one that doesn't. The those that don't are just limping along and struggling and having a hard time. And so often the little church ends up closing up. I have seen so many in my lifetime in this part of Louisiana. You know, the church isn't really what we call strong down and through this part of Louisiana. I got some uh, grandchildren now living up in Tennessee and they're just amazed at all the churches. 900,000, 1,500 people just on every corner. 20, 30, 40 churches in these big cities. And down here, it's somewhat on the weak side. And uh, I'll tell you this. The difference in those that have good leadership and those that don't, Is amazing. It's remarkable. We need to learn to appreciate our leadership. You know, when the Lord built the church, He made it and set it up in a very simple way. Christ is the head of the body of the church. We just have one head, Jesus Christ. And He made it so that every congregation is total, separate, from another congregation as far as the run in their affairs are concerned. We don't have groups of congregations. We don't have parishes of congregations. We don't have state heads and headquarters. Every congregation stands alone. Now we cooperate, we help each other, we work with each other, We have common goals and aims, but every congregation stands alone with only Christ as the head and elders and deacons, the only members of the church officials. We have preachers. Sometimes a preacher is an elder. Sometimes a preacher is a deacon. Sometimes the preacher is neither. Neither. You look at the, the Protestant, Catholic congregations that exist today. Most of them, or nearly all of them, they have a complicated organization. They have layer upon layers of religious hierarchies that oversee the affairs of the church many of them worldwide organizations, and they have heads and subheads and committees of every kind in the world, many denominational uh, religious organizations. The preacher is the elder, the ruler, and then he has a board of deacons many times to assist him, particularly in uh, groups... uh, like the Baptists and the Presby- uh, 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 Pentecostal churches, the pastor, the preacher, is all in all. But in the Lord's church, Jesus is the head. You have elders, the rulers, and then you have the distant uh, deacons, that assists the elders in the operation of the church. Very simple. And it's set up so that each church is separate. And if one goes bad, it don't affect all the other bodies accordingly. That's God's plans of it. Now, the elders asked me to talk specifically about the duties of these new elders and all elders, that we're having today under consideration. In order to do that, I'm going to first read the qualifications of an elder. We find lists of these qualifications in two or three places in the New Testament, uh, I think in Titus and Timothy and so on and so forth. But I have combined them all, and I'm going to read them slowly and carefully, and I want you to think about it. Now, the reason I want you to listen to them is as I read these qualifications, you can get a good feel for their duties from this list of qualifications. Now, listen closely. The elders are to be blameless. Husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, hospitable, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not guilty of filthy lucre, patient, not a brawler, not covetous, rules well his own house, not a novice. Good report within, good report without, faithful children, not self-will, lover of good men, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the word. This list, of course, comes from my old King James Version, the old-fashioned version, but your version has much the same list with maybe a few changes in wording, but meaning the same thing. There are 23 conditions here that an elder must meet to be a qualified elder. Frankly, it's kind of a daunting list that you read about it. They've got to be very special men, but I want to tell you this. 18 out of these 23 are things that every Christian should have to some degree. Now, it's true that the elders probably have them to a greater degree than maybe some of us common Christians, but we all should have nearly all of these qualifications in our life. Some of the ones, the five that we don't have, husband or one wife, you can be a Christian without being husband or one wife. An elder can't. Apt to teach. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Rules well his own house. Not a novice. Faithful children. That's the five that are special to elders or deacons. And uh, yet the great majority of these applies to all of us Christians, but an elder must possess them in probably a greater to a greater degree than maybe a new Christian that's just a member of the Lord's body. So when you hear them and you listen to them right off the bat, you get the idea of exactly why uh, and what is their duties as they work in the church. Uh, basically, if I was going to summarize it, I'd say you've got good Christian men with a good family, loves the Lord, loves the truth, and loves the church, and they're apt to teach. Now, that's a kind of a condensation of all of them together. And yet, wasn't I really speaking about almost any Christian in the church. We are, it's just a matter of degrees of where we're at on the stepping stones as we rise to be more and more like our blessed Savior all the time. Also, elders have assorted titles. Sometimes we call them elders and the reason we call them elders is most of the time they are older people. Now that don't mean they have to be a one foot in the grave, but they do have to be old enough to be a husband of one life and ha- wife and having believing children. So that automatically puts them puts up in middle age, somewhere along in there generally. And one of the, uh, the other things we call them is sometimes they're referred to in the Bible as presbyters, bishops, overseers, rulers, And shepherds, these are designations that the Bible counts for all of them. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, let me read a little bit right there. "...the elders which are among you I exhort, who have also an elder, and witness of the suffering of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed." Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So all of these titles that they have have to do with actually what they are doing they are overseers acts 20:28 20, take heed unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the holy ghost has made you overseers or bishops to feed the church of god which he purchased with his own precious blood romans chapter 12:8 says this let him that ruleth Do it with diligence. He's talking about the elders right there. Take care. It's a very important work. The most important work, looking after people's souls. In Titus chapter 1, he gives the list of qualifications, and there he calls them bishops. In Hebrews 13, they are referred to as rulers. 1 the Thessalonians 5.12, they are called laborers, and that's a very apt designation, a laborer, because believe you me, they work hard. And of course, they, uh, that kind of makes them uh, not just only bosses, but those out there literally doing the hard work of all the things that go on and taking care of a body of people. So you can see that Most of their leading is done by example. Paul summarized it in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, and he said it this way. These pastors, had he called them there, they are for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ. Perfecting saints, help us to grow and mature, all of us, as we try to learn and study and develop ourselves and get more like Christ every day and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And as they do this, sometimes they have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. But he says, do it with all long-suffering and doctrine. So understand all of these things. That's why they are called pastors, leading the flock to uh, the pastures where they can get nourishment. For the perfecting of the saints, that is to help all of the members of the church grow and mature and keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And sometimes that takes a little reproving, rebuking, and exhorting as it indicated to in one scripture for the elders that they have to do. For the work of the ministry, overseeing the preaching and the teaching, the whole oversight of all of the teaching program in the whole church. And many times they are preachers and are teachers themselves in one way or another. That they might edify, that is, build up the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find them to be people who are ready to listen, know things because they've been there, done that. They care and they're ready to listen to you. They try their best to keep the peace and the unity of the congregation and they maintain discipline as best that they can in the the congregation in every member. Most of the oversight and governing is done by example. Rarely, rarely does an elder have to use the edict to get people to do what they want them to do. Their instructions, they start with taking heed unto themselves and then unto the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made them bishops. Let me tell you, being an elder is not always easy. There's some real tough, hard times. You run into situations that you can't even imagine, and you have to deal with them. There's nowhere else to go. All we have is each other and the Bible. We have to look after our own congregation right here. Christ has given us his instructions. And with those instructions, we have to look at that. Let me tell you, run in, you run into some serious problems sometimes. You've got to oversee the feeding of the flock from the very young to the very old, many of whom are well versed in the Lord's Bible. You have to watch out for false teachers and any false doctrine that may be creeping in and be ready to stand against it. You have to maintain local discipline and that can get very hairy at times. You're getting into the point where elders frequently get involved one way or another in ugly divorces infidelity that you have to deal with squabbles nitpicky squabbles in the church we don't like to think about that happening in the Lord's body but inevitably sometimes a little of it creeps in and must be dealt with and handled and taken care of in the best way you can run all across financial problems drug problems Apostasy, discipline, all of these things come back to the lap of the elders. And it takes strong, godly men. But let me tell you, in all of my years of dealing, I have preached for in excess of 50 little, mostly small congregations. And I've seen elders and deacons working and so many of them have been involved with elders and deacons directly. Let me tell you this. For the most part, I have rarely ever seen many elders but what were first class number one servants of the Lord. That happens so rarely that it's almost unheard of because by the time they have been a Christian long enough to have a believing family and all of these qualifications, rarely do they go bad. Very, very rarely. In all my years, I've seen very, very few. And I have seen some of the best, godliest servants of the Lord Serving in these positions. And when we get two more to add to the five that you already have here, you tell them thank you and praise them and glorify them for the work that they do. And I'll tell you, they burn a lot more midnight oil than you have any idea about whatsoever. No wonder that the Bible tells us in 1st. Thessalonians 5.13, that we should esteem our elders highly. And that's a direct quote from God's Word Himself. They work hard. They deserve our praise and our thank you. And that's a very wonderful thing. The caliber of elders and deacons is such that any falling away from that is very, very rare indeed. So, in the next week or so, as you're thinking about these things and praying about these things, pray for these two men that's going to be put again up to you and appointed as elders. Pray for the men. Pray for all of the elders. Pray for all the deacons. Pray for the new preacher that we got coming. Pray for all of the church. Pray for those that are lost outside of the body of Christ. Don't know the glory and the power of the salvation that we experience because of Jesus Christ our Lord. I remember one place in the Bible that says, I would that prayer be made for all men. We all need prayer. I am so thankful that I'm a member of the body of Christ. I do not understand exactly how people live and make it in this world without faith And Jesus Christ, I don't understand it. I hope that all of you are Christians here today. If some of you may not be, surely somewhere you're thinking, I wonder if I should get right with God. We'll be glad to help you do that today. If you have faith in Him, and turn away from your sins. We'll help you be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away. And He'll add you that precious body, the church. It's called the body of Christ. That's another name for the church. And as such, we are part of that body. And we serve under elders and deacons as they work in behalf of our souls. And I wouldn't want be the part of anything else as far as my eternal salvation be. Oh, Lord, let me be in that number. If we can aid anyone today to do what's right, come as we stand and as we sing.